0: Today it's Ali Mill who uh, who's been running a women's hiking and walking club uh, called Out Out Club back in my hometown of Dublin for about a year now. Uh, Ali and I we worked together for about three years back in the world of graphic design but she's currently working for herself uh, with her own company Mindfuel. Uh, Ali thank you for joining us today how are you?
1: I'm very good thank you for having me it's a pleasure
0: because i've been interested in in this uh out out club that you've been running since i guess the very beginning and and it's really been really nice to see a very sort of tangible organic growth within the within the club itself going from you and maybe two or three people to it looks like you've got up to 20 people out with you sometimes um these days so it's really nice to see that um but could you tell us a little bit about it uh, about the club and kind of where did it start why did you start it like what spurred on that uh that drive?
1: Yeah, sure. So the club, uh, I kind of describe it as a, a social hiking club um, or a social club more so than anything else, because one of the big instigators of it was that sociable aspect um, and kind of bringing women together. But essentially, um, the I suppose the value proposition of it has never really changed. And, and the reason why I started it, um, it was to get people outdoors to meet new people, set themselves a challenge and make new friends. Um and I think definitely, you know, it succeeded in doing that. Um organically, as you say, it kind of started with um I think eight people in uh was the first hike in August 2021. And uh we've six hundred members now. Whoa. So I capped the hikes. So there's we we I only allow 20 on 20 on each hike um just for it's for safety reasons, but also sociable reasons. It's kind of like the the best number for 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 those kinds of um, events. But I think what's interesting about this question, um, when I hear anybody answering a question like that, like why did you start this thing? I think, you know, how long is a piece of string? There, there's there's sort of the there's the there's the trigger that kind of forces you to make a big decision and, and create something. And then there's the route that you know right. seeded itself um, over you know consecutive events over your lifetime that kind of brought you to that point in in creating it. Um, so I can give you the short answer, uh, or I can give you the long answer. But potentially, long answer. Hear How long? We- when you hear how long <laughs> the short answer is, you might regret that. Um, <laughs>
0: no, <hit me>. honestly, <laughs> we've we, got I've got nowhere else to be.
1: OK, OK, cool. Well, I think that the so the trigger event was that, you know, we were spending so much time at home uh, during lockdown, like the pandemic forced people to kind of experience the world around them a little bit more. Um, and, you know, the, the main objective, I think, of the club is about connection. So connection to the world like the real world and nature and connection to yourself and other people um and I think that for me you know if I if I actually am to think about it the root of this would have started you know when I was a young girl and um you know I was in a uh, an all-girls school um it wasn't a great experience for me um, I actually learned very like later on in life that I'm neurodiverse. So I didn't really understand why making connections was more difficult for me, or why I wasn't as good in social situations or understanding social cues um, that are really important for building those connections uh, with people. I was I never w- was very good at understanding those. So it led to a lot of kind of negative social experience for me that kind of built up over time and um would have kind of taught i suppose taught me to kind of stay a bit guarded and it meant that then my social circle was quite small um which i never had an issue with you know it, it's kind of safer uh, psychologically if your social circle is small and you, you know you have, you've got like three people and you trust them with your life
0: three close friends yeah, yeah exactly
1: yeah um but uh the result of having a really small circle is that when you know they're not all going to like the same things as you so when you want to go for a hike or you want to go and do something you know they're either not going to be available or it just might not be their thing so i found myself in a situation where i was i was really leaning on my partner simon Who's also my partner for in, in minefield? He's my other co-founder. I found myself leaning on him quite a lot for those challenging outdoor experiences, which is you know it's too much to ask for one person when they have their own uh, things that they like to do as well. So that was one of the one of the cogs to it. Um, the second one actually was that um, you're actually I think. Uh, you'll be familiar with uh, the elderly woman that I've been friends with for, I think, going on six years now. So I met her through a charity called Friends of the Elderly that's based here in, in Ireland. Um, and they uh, essentially just connect you with someone and um, you befriend them and they, they kind of go into the background. and never really talk to them again. But I essentially see her every week for at least an hour in her home. And, um, it, yeah, it, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a good thing to be able to do, um, because it means a lot to, to her. And like, I would, I would urge anybody if they have any kind of desire to, to help people in isolation to kind of look into things like that. But, um, it's been rewarding as well, obviously it's not a, a selfless thing. Um, but one of the main things that I've taken away from being around her and listening to her is that when her husband died, um, the year prior to me starting to see her, uh, she realized that she had, uh, no friends. She didn't have any children. So, uh, you know, her family members were all old and living in other places. So she was just completely on her own and not self-sufficient, not, mm-hmm. um, independent. Right. And, You know, listening to her about how she just dedicated her life to other people, yeah, her partner, her husband, who was her world. And like her life was amazing when she had it with him. But when he died, then she was just left, you know, without an identity. And it just was so impactful to hear that. And it kind of really made me take stock of my life and how I identified and how I was spending my time and how I, what I wanted for my future. So it kind of really spurred me on to see, you know, how can I, how can I broaden out my social circle, but with people that, you know, really like the same things as me. So, um, it's, it's not over yet, Borg. We're, we're still going. No, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I've got my
0: cup of tea here. Just. <laughs>
1: um, so, yeah. And then, you know, in tandem to that, I was actually pre-pandemic going through a bit of a hard time myself kind of mentally. I was kind of struggling with a lack of purpose and it was... You know, I didn't have any hobbies. I, I hadn't started minefield at that point. I, I just was really trying to find my way in the world, but without really having the cop on of, of, of seeing that I, I was just in a bit of a, a lull and, um, coincidentally, or maybe not, uh, at the same time we, we rescued our first dog, Bobby. And naturally that gets you outdoors.
0: The black guy or the white guy?
1: That's the little black terrier mix. Um, he's got like uh, okay. three working looks a legs bit like a
0: bat
1: <laughs> yeah he looks like a bat yeah bat versus dog is a great story game people like that <laughs> uh you know dogs need to be walked right and i was actually never i was never interested in walking when i was a kid i was but when i got older i was like no not interested in it i just wasn't really interested in anything and um basically uh i was going on lots of walks with him and i actually remember being at a you know, having a particularly bad day and bringing him for this walk up Cliny Hill, which is a a lovely area um, near where I live. And it has just the most beautiful scenery. And I remember standing at the top of that and just actually living in that experience for the first time in a very long time, just, just being aware of what was around me. And I'll never really forget that feeling of just Mm. calm and all of the world. And, um, then I think that just sparked something in me where I was like, okay, yeah, I'm not really interested in doing anything, but I'll go Mm -hmm. for walks and I'm interested Mm -hmm. in going outside. I'm interested in going outdoors. And, um, you know, it makes a lot of sense. Now I know a lot more about it. I know that, you know, walking and being in nature, you know, is incredibly powerful for your mental health. It, it, it releases endorphins. It's, you know, there's, there's neurotransmitter production that's so important for our mental well-being so um essentially I remember being on a walk with with Simon and kind of saying to him you know I, I have this idea <laughs> I have this idea where you know I, I've been asking random people if they want to go for a walk but it's a bit weird like it's a bit it's a bit awkward right. <laughs> so I was like I have this idea that I'll like set up a club and then it's not so weird if I ask people if they want to come to a walk or a hike with me then um you know they can easily say no uh, and not feel awkward or if they're into it they can they can come so uh Simon obviously always very supportive always very encouraging um you know really encouraged the idea of it being you know a women only club because at the time you know I wasn't actually even aware that there was any uh clubs like this you know now there's there's a lot more because the, the pandemic, but there was also a couple before I mine existed, but the the, the difference with those really is that um, the ones that existed prior, and I'm sure there's others as well, but the main ones that people would know is that you, you have to kind of pay, you have to pay for the hikes and, um, for me, I think it's great that they offer that service and, you know, it's a, they're great companies um, and businesses, but for me, I was trying to create more of a community where people would come multiple times, if not try and go every time. And, you know, you kind of mm-hmm. build up that social connection. Um, so for me, it's really and- important. Yeah. Camaraderie. So for me, it's really important that the, the general hikes stay, like remain free. Um, to really encourage and especially you know I so I, I'm just blabbered on for ages about like why I started it but actually what what you'll uh what you'll probably notice is you know there's a lot of selfish reasons in there for starting it and what I didn't anticipate was just how much it was going to, benefit other people or I actually didn't think anyone would want to do it I I I asked like 10 people and and eight people including myself turned up and I was shocked by that you know I just didn't um and you know one of the one of the first people that came on that hike um I didn't know very well at all and I was so surprised when she turned up and was so excited to do it and you know to cut a long story short i'm now in her wedding so you know oh, the, wow. <laughs> the the connection you know really has made a difference
0: yeah for sure and i think um those common goals and sort of common interests that people have like we're more like as you know the old phrase goes like we're more like than we really understand and you know it just takes talking to someone from a different you know maybe uh career background or a different sort of uh, ethnic background or whatever and you just realize how common uh, and how many, how many how similar our kind of goals are and things um and I think for me I just to say I think it's quite a provocative or sorry a proactive and sort of like a, a sort of a, a tangible action to take from someone who and I think that's very yeah. much a reflection of your personality from the kind of person I know that you are um very sort of practical actionable sort of um goals to problem solve you know and I think you saying well I have no hobbies okay well let's find myself a hobby and I think you know I also think that like you as very much uh, as your personality I think you're you're an excellent facilitator um, at least in the sort of the way the way that we would have worked together professionally one of the things I would remember is that you're quite a good facilitator whether that's you know running workshops or running um a meeting or whatever, so I can totally understand why you would choose to do what. Or you know, you've kind of you've put your strengths to the for- forefront in something like this, and I think it's a uh, it's really cool. It's really cool to see what you're doing, and it's also great to see um, such a diverse group of, of people kind of coming together and and sort of just going walking. I mean, like this the the Henry Thoreau quote, you know, anyone can go walking, and I think like you said, it's like it's the, one of the simplest, like easiest things that we can do for our for our mental health is just to just go and start walking somewhere, you know, whether it's in your local park or whether it's up a mountain or whatever. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're dead right. And, and that was that was really one of the biggest things for me. Um, you know, when I'm kind of setting the criteria for myself of what I want this club to be and what I want it to stand for. And, you know, inclusivity was really important me that no matter what skill level you're at you know it might be a little bit more of a challenge for you if you're a complete novice and you've 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 never you know gone out on a hike before but it's never going to be such a challenge that you come away feeling you know really dejected Dejected, that you weren't able to do it
0: right
1: yeah it's about setting setting people up for success and feeling really proud of what they achieved or you know on the on the simpler hikes maybe it's just about um having them long enough that people can really build up that connection and i think to your point about diversity you know that's one of the that's one of the things that i i hadn't anticipated was just how multicultural and diverse the club would be um mm. which is amazing so like we have people we have people from you know every every type of uh, person so from like novice i've never gone on a hike before i've barely even gone on a walk before to people who are are you know doing everest base camp have done or are about to do um and then we also have you know we've got you know, you know native irish people but then we also have a lot of people from other countries that have moved here and so of course their social circles are going to be so much smaller that like having opportunities to socialize is really rare unless you're kind of going out drinking and stuff like that.
0: I don't know if it's like maybe, um, I guess like almost like guys are almost afforded more hobbies than girls than women are. Um, and, and like that, like at least a lot of the women that I would know, it's like their social circles very much revolve around either going for meals or going for drinks. And it's really cool to see, like that sort of complete shift to like a really active outdoor thing. It's, it's, it's really cool.
1: I think you're totally right. I was only, I was only talking about this with someone the other day. It's like, you know, for, there's a lot more men who are into group sports then there are women who are into group sports. There's obviously women who love group sports, but ratio-wise, um I think you're totally right. It's just and it's not something that I, it, it was almost like if you weren't into them, then it was like where else would you would you go to meet people. Sure. And I think that, right. you know, especially when all the clubs were closed during lockdown. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not into clubs anymore, but like when all the clubs were closed and all the bars were closed, you know, how, how could you meet new people? Like, unless you, you took up a sport or, you know, you joined um, Facebook groups and things like that, which are great. But, you know, y- y- there's there's an element where I one one of the things that someone said to me before is like, it's just great that I don't have to organize it. Someone else tells me where <laughs> we're being, what we're doing <laughs> and I just show up. And, yep, you know- yeah to, to your point about facilitation right that's one of my favorite things to do i love yeah. facilitating i don't know why i've met ne- i'm you know we did some training in it when we were in zero g Park, but it's just a natural thing i think i've always leaned into um but i love organizing stuff like it gives me that dopamine rush that um i kind of lack uh, generally so i really enjoy doing that and if you know if other people just you know, they don't like that and they just want to join things, then it's a perfect combination. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, like I've just learned so much because you're in these, so I I should set some context. So, uh, my general criteria for all of the, the hikes, the general hikes that we do are like, you know, three hours, there'll be a degree of challenge to them. So whether that's the elevation or, um, maybe it's even longer um so it's a lot of it's a lot a long time to kind of get to to chat to different people and the premise is that you know at the beginning that like this is a really safe supportive environment like no matter what hike we're on you know even if some people might think it's easy take regular stops and if you stop then it's likely someone else has been waiting to stop as well. And they're just glad that you did it. Mm. So, you know, one of the, right. one of the big questions that I get from people is like, you know, I, I kind of feel like I'll be lagging behind and people will be, you know, I'll feel really embarrassed and that kind of thing. And, and right. I don't know whether that's, I don't know whether that's something men feel as much, or at least overtly don't feel the same way. But um, I feel like that's one of the things that kind of stops women in particular, putting themselves in those sorts of situations for
0: sure. And I mean, it's even my, my, my girlfriend herself even has said similar things to me where, uh, it's like, I guess it's not about like, uh, over outwardly being like, uh, a drag on people, but, but there's a, like an element of like, sort of trying to be, um, agreeable or like, you know, um, almost like almost like a a burden the burden of being agreeable or not wanting to or wanting to be to please the the group and that can often uh hinder people from so interacting in certain uh, spaces and things for sure especially if if that person is like um maybe a little bit introverted or you know isn't isn't very much uh, into that sort of like uh being a group leader or facilitator when they as you said they just want You know it's like and 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 like just to go back to your point about planning there as well like that will often stop people from starting anything the fear or the kind of the burden of having to plan something like that with zero sort of uh experience um and and like so the planning the, the 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 fear of like you know uh having not the right level of fitness or the fear of letting people down i mean I'm sure many people, not just women, but men also will have those sort of things built into their personalities that will very much stop them from participating in things that they maybe would like to try.
1: Uh, absolutely. And, and it, I think, you know, it, it doesn't help that. Um, so there are other uh, hiking clubs that exist and um, they kind of serve different purposes. And I know people who have been on some of the more professional ones, um, where they're you know they're guided and um, they've been they've been asked to to turn around because they're not able to keep up the group, and I, I I understand the the mentality of that from a group leader guide perspective if you know in some way, but also. I, I would see our group as being very different to that. So it's about, we're only as fast as the person in the back, you know? So if it takes us longer to get there, it takes us longer to get there. Uh, You know, I I don't think
0: uh, it's,
1: yeah, it's, it's a very different environment. Um, because, uh, but because we don't, we're not, they're not paid hikes. We're not, we're not paying a a guide or anything like that. We have the luxury to be able to make our own rules. that. So, um, you know, but, but, but those kinds of, those kinds of experiences don't help somebody's confidence. Um, so I think that that position of making sure that it's always about building people's confidence is really important and uh, not something that I ever want to lose. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, there was a, there was another point I was going to say. Oh, it was more just actually when we were talking about diversity. I was actually when I was thinking about this conversation we were going to have, I started kind of listing out all the countries in my head, and I was kind of shocked a little bit myself. So I'm gonna I'm gonna miss loads, but the ones off the top of my head are, we've got people from Mexico, Brazil, the States, Canada, France, Germany, the UK. Um, we've got Russia, re- Ukraine. Um, I think that's, that's, that's all the ones I can think of off the top of my head.
0: That's cool. But that's amazing. It
1: is, yeah, it is really cool because did I say Lebanon? Lebanon emerging. No, you
0: didn't. Cool.
1: Yeah. Um, so yeah. And, and it's kind of, it's amazing because back to your, your point when we were first talking about it of, you know, when you kind of bring all these people together and you realize, you know, how similar we are in so many ways um but it's also really interesting to hear like unique perspectives on things or you know one of the one of the great things about um the the hikes is that I, I've never been good at small talk I, I you probably know that about me um uh but, but like I like to get right into the you know the, juicy right. stuff the nitty-gritty and um the nitty-gritty <laughs> yeah and uh people are great for that on the hikes. I think I think it's one sure. of those, you know, when you're walking, they've done studies on this as well. Like your brain is more creative. Like if you ever have to do a meeting, Absolutely. do it on the phone, go for a walk. Way more creative. And I think that comes out when we're on the hikes. There's, you know, we're kind of navigating landscape. We're, you know, we're we're trying not to fall into really deep mud and all of that kind of stuff. But at the same time, we're like talking about like know really cool experiences that we've had or what that has taught us or you know you come away with um loads of learnings that you can then bring into your own life that maybe it's you know inspiration to go on a a really amazing trip that someone went on and you know or or maybe it's you know that you you were able to give someone hopefully good advice but when you come when you come out the other end of a hike uh, we always go for lunch afterwards as well for anyone who can go but when you come at the end of that, at the end of the day, you kind of, there's there's a, there's a feeling that I've never really been able to put my, my finger on that I know the other girls, um, some of them at least experience it too, where you just kind of feel like you're floating. Like the day has just kind of, it's made such a mark on your mental state that you just kind of, um, it just, it's like a high almost. Um, right, and I don't right. know, I think it's a culmination of the things in terms of, you know, socializing sure. and connecting, but also yeah. actually, you know, challenging yourself.
0: Yeah. And, and the, the ability to kind of interact while you're doing something else, it kind of almost relieves the burden of the interaction or sort of the social engagement is not, it doesn't, then it's not the, the actual, you know, the sole purpose of being there. And then, so, you know, if you're all sitting in a room in a circle. It's like yeah. the only thing that you have to focus on is interaction, whereas if you're walking and hiking, like you said, or getting yourself through mud, you, your focus is, is kind of able to, to blend into those elements. And then it's also a good excuse to, be, to have small conversations. It's not like, okay, well, I have to talk to this person for the next hour and a half up the hill. It's like we can talk for a minute or two and then you know somebody will shout ahead or I'm, I'm only assuming but just from my own kind of yeah. experiences with, with walks it's like you can talk to someone for a minute or two then somebody has to stop and then that conversation is over then unless you want to voluntarily come Continue. back to it what were you saying about you know so I think the you like walking yeah. and, and camping with people is it's a really nice way of of having little bursts of conversation that they're not overwhelming to to someone at least for myself I mean I'm somewhat of an introvert, but I also enjoy having conversations, but I, um, somebody described it really interesting to me, to me recently. Um, a guy called Paul Kirtley, who we had on the podcast. Uh, he said like extroverts get energy from interacting with people. Introverts get energy from them, from getting away from people. And, and in a lot of ways, I think that's true in the sense that, my energy gets very much gets drained quite quickly from interactions with people, uh, to the point where if I'm away for a weekend with camp, you know, with people, I literally have to be by myself or at least with my girlfriend exclusively for the next day or two, just to recover from that. Um, Yeah,
1: no, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Exactly. And, you know, for socially, not socially awkward people, but maybe socially anxious people, um, or people who hate, uh, you know, that, that, gap where nobody says anything and you're trying to desperately think of something new to say I think you're totally right that it just lends itself to that so well Um, because you're never stuck talking to you know anybody if you can't figure out what to say Mm -hmm. just you can just go silent and that's the other thing as well that's so great is that like some people come and they aren't that active in the in the communication you know they're not they're not that big in uh, participating in the conversation but they're still there and they're taking what they need from it and they continue to come as well so it's not that i'm like oh are they having a good time like they're just they're getting what they need from it um which is maybe to just listen and uh i think you know we all we all to your to your point there like we all kind of socialize differently and we need different things and you know, it would be much more difficult for a person like that to sit in a room with 20 people and not say anything because that would be really obvious. And people might be like, are you okay? And then, you know, be- <laughs> it becomes this big thing. Um, so, yeah, I think I think you're right.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's like, are you okay? It's like, I'm absolutely fine. I don't have to be always engaging. And also, I think that's, that's a nice thing as well about being in a crowd of people that when you're walking, it's like you don't always have to... Yeah, you can you can just be quiet, and that's totally yeah, fine. Yeah, exactly, you know?
1: and I think you know one of the one of the things. So I I I I tend to put a lot of time and thought into which hike we're going to go on. Um, so there's you know there's some general kind of logistics issues of how far away is it from I'm in Dublin. So it but it, but there's people in the club that are you know maybe in Northern Ireland or the west of Ireland. Um, or the south of ireland and so it's it's an it's a it's not a a dublin based club so
0: right okay. i tend, I, tend I was going to gonna ask that actually yeah
1: yeah yeah so so i tend to choose i don't tend to choose hikes in dublin i tend to choose hikes that i've never been on because i like to do new things and if it's not like i've done everything but if i've never done it then there's a good chance that some or most other people in the group haven't done it either. And then we're all experiencing this new thing together and we're all figuring it out together. Now, don't get me wrong. I'll make sure that it's something that we're capable of doing and mm-hmm. I can navigate mm-hmm. us through. Um, but at the same time, like we might get lost. We'll have to turn around or, you know, there might be a big, big tree in the way and we have to figure our way around it. But that, then we all kind of problem solve it together, which is really nice. But it also means that when we, you know, get to the top of a hill, and we see this magnificent lake in front of us that just looks serene. It's an experience that we're all experiencing for the first time together. And there's something quite sure, magical
0: about sure. that. That's very cool. I really like that. I mean, do you think that there is a certain, like, I I love the, the, the phrase that you use on your website, like, no pros, just good times. And I think, you know, there's a very simple ethos you know every week i think we can all get behind that um but do you feel like or do you would you ever be interested in maybe upskilling in a way that you know maybe you take a mountain leader kind of course or you maybe do some mountaineering or some navigation courses and do you think that that would maybe in some way enrich the experience or would you think that it would sort of kill the spirit of that
1: it's a great question and very topical because I was literally only going through the Mountain Leader UK and Ireland checklist um, mm-hmm. four days ago. So right. it's definitely something that I'm interested in um, pursuing from my own personal perspective, but also obviously for the club um, because, uh, you know, it, it, it it's... It's not that it becomes a slightly different thing, but I do want to know that I could take us on any hike, um, that I could bring us anywhere, and um, that uh, I would know exactly what to do in any situation. I think that that's really important, um, just from a from a leader and a navigational and a safety perspective. Um, at the moment, it's a social club, so, you know, for legal reasons like i'm going on a hike and whoever would like to join me can come so i'm not the leader um right 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 from from my own perspective it is something i'm really keen to kind of evolve and develop i'm always like to get better at something um particularly if it's something that i really enjoy um but uh it is also something that i'm very keen to I suppose to keep it in house is probably the the best way to put it. Like, I I think when you when you have to bring a guide into situations, like sometimes it's warranted for sure, but it also changes the dynamic. So if I have that skill set, um, that would be a, a mountain leader skill set. Then sure. it'd be great to to not have to worry about having to bring somebody else in for certain
0: situations mm. Mm. yeah if you did want to do more challenging climbs or if there was maybe because I imagine the people that are walking with you they're also like gaining more experience and probably gaining more confidence and maybe starting to think about climbs that they wouldn't have really dared do before they started with you because you've got yeah. you've got your you've got a framework of your own abilities then you've got a sort of a Uh, something to reference against then don't you when if you're if you've never hiked before you have no idea what you're I mean it's like you know they 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 say like you have no idea what you're going to be like in a particular situation until you're actually in it and the more you're in that situation the more you're able to understand how your body reacts in certain whether that's coming up off a tree line into like you know once you get out of the tree line and the temperature drops and the rain starts hitting you you know some people find that absolutely miserable some people absolutely love that
1: Oh, 100%. So when um, I tend to kind of make uh, snap decisions um, about uh, challenging things that I want to do. So um, when I was away over Christmas, um, I had seen this idea of four peaks challenge. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but essentially there's uh it's the four tallest peaks in the four provinces of ireland so um essentially there's uh i I basically decided that i wanted to do this challenge um never having never having climbed oh no sorry i tell a lie i i climbed one of them already lognaquilla um during the pandemic and uh I was like, this. I would just love to do all four, and I put it out on Instagram and said, "Look, anybody wants to to do it with me? It's not. It's not an official club thing. It's just anybody wants to do it who's part of the club." So, um, I think there's like ten or fifteen of us in the group um, at the moment. We've done three of the four. Uh, our last one is Karen Two Hill, uh, which we're doing in September, Ooh, and that's the sits, big boy. That's the tallest. Yeah, that's one thousand and thirty-eight yeah. meters high so the it's last one we challenge. did yeah well the last one we did was milray um which was only 814 but because of the route that we went which was far more scenic but and you kind of traversed three peaks it ended up taking us um what was it i'm gonna get it confused now eight hours and 40 minutes so that was definitely the oh, fuck
0: <laughs> is that the ra- round trip
1: <laughs> that was a yeah back a uh, it was a, a there and back. Um, but we we were staying it was in Mayo, so we were staying there and you know, we made a we made a, a weekend of it and whatever. But like that was hefty. That 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 was some challenge, but like that was hefty. <laughs> you feel so good after it, you know? Like it's you just feel like sure, I can just sure. do anything after that.
0: Um sure you you've, uh, you've you're also like just reminding me there you're saying that you kind of yeah. made a weekend of it. you've started expanding the club out to kind of offer retreats yeah uh, could you tell us a little bit about that like what's like where is there yeah, what's different yeah. about it compared to the hiking is there going to be hiking involved is it going to be very much like a relaxing experience or what's what's in store
1: yeah it's it's a combo so essentially it's the club's one year birthday in august and i was like i want to do something that really kind of brings all the great aspects of the club together um and you know maybe multiple events um just to really kind of celebrate um the community and celebrate coming together and all of that kind of stuff so i actually have two things planned so the retreat was the is the first one and um Essentially, that's in um, this beautiful venue in Wicklow that uh, it's a private, um, you know, we've we've hired it exclusively. It'll sleep, um, you know, 20, 22 of us in total. um, And there's a hot tub and there's loads of lovely land and it has its own forest and uh, it's a big foodie experience. And this kind of ties in with minefield a little bit, but I'm a big foodie. I love, I love to eat good food. Yeah. So, so essentially what I wanted to do, so I've basically kind of created this timetable where we're going to do a little bit of everything. So I've got, um, three, uh, I've got two hikes, a a sun, a sun, rise hike and a hike that uh, is just magnificent. I've done it before and uh, it just has everything. It's got, you know, cliffs and lakes and it's just amazing. Um, And then we're going to do a forest trail, which is nearby the venue uh, in the evening on the first day we arrive. Uh, There's also like a sound bath with this um, guy who, his name's Liam and I've been to a couple of his sound baths before and they're just just amazing experiences Uh, you know i I wouldn't be um like a a, a, like a i wouldn't be that in tune with my body let's put it that way and uh you just come away with just it just feels amazing um i don't know if you're familiar with what a sound
0: bath is tell us a little bit about that i've never i don't know what it is
1: you're a music person so i know um this will this will probably interest you so uh, i'm gonna do a really bad job of explaining this but Essentially, it's about healing through sound, and um, he'll have lots of different instruments that are he'll either have created himself or he'll have uh, he'll have picked up. But they'll all make completely different noises and vibrations, and the idea is that there's never a rhythm to it, so that your brain can't okay. kind of. tune into a pattern so that it's always kind of kept on its toes a little bit. You don't know what's going to come next. And it's kind of one of those experiences. I've actually got goosebumps thinking about it because it gives you goosebumps at certain times. Um, And depending on what kind of person you are, you'll have a different experience. Like I'm not, I don't, I don't have a, a mental visual really any of the time, but I know other people generally do if they're like very, um, uh, what's the word? If they've got a really good imagination, um, you know, they'll kind of see things in their mind as they're experiencing it. But it's supposed to be very healing in a number of different ways. Um, but the sand bath, I find just to be a really beautiful experience. So that's what I'm kind of excited for to do that. Um, but also, um, there will be some surprise activities i always love a surprise i'm big on surprises. Right. <laughs> i think i think if you know everything that's going to happen then you're anticipating it and you're waiting for it but if you don't know what's going to happen right. all the time then it's like uh it's always going to be a positive experience because you weren't like building it up in your head so what one of the other things one of the other things is um that so the food the, the venue themselves, are they pride themselves on food um, and being, you know, an experience for foodies to go to. But also um, I've actually asked a, a, someone that I experienced the food of recently who is like a Michelin-trained chef. He worked in, you know, he worked under some of the, the, the best chefs in Ireland. Um, he's, he's going to come on the, the Saturday and do this, really amazing spread outdoors for us so all the food that's actually cooked outdoors in um they call it the fiery so they have like this like outdoor pizza clay oven and a big grill um and uh, i am really looking forward to just having some amazing fresh local produce that's really bright and colorful right and
0: delicious. right and yeah for sure and I, I, again that's kind of like it leads me nicely into the next topic which was about Mindful your your company and um I guess it's much like uh much like Nate like the hiking and nature kind of things um with the ability to reconnect with ourselves through the stresses maybe of modern life and things and you know I mean, I, I know I experienced a bit of mental burnout when it came to being a graphic designer. It's one of the main reasons why I left and ended up living in Sweden. And I, by from what I hear from you, it sounds like you kind of had a similar experience where like, you know, just kind of, I guess it's a generational thing, isn't it? It's like almost like outright rejecting this sort of the grind, mm. you know, it's just unsustainable. Yeah. Um, and, we're, and people are getting back to nature as well. But also, you know, I think there's a huge... Renaissance, for want of a better word, in how we see food and how we see our connection with simple food, and even like you said, Michelin chefs and and all of these extremely high end um, restaurants around the world and and chefs, they're relying on seasonal uh, growths uh, as opposed to like you know you know they won't be able to offer things that aren't that aren't growing seasonally or even wild foraged. Like there's a lot of these. Uh, chefs that are foraging and you have to become kind of foraging experts and it's really beautiful to see Mm. Uh, and I think there's that's the connection for me at least between as you said like hiking and for me it's bushcraft and uh, you know general outdoors and 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 our connection with food and even just cooking outside I mean everything always tastes better outside doesn't Mm. it if you've picked it that day you've I mean one of my good friends uh Ella Nickish who's a A forager in sweden and we've had her on the podcast as well i've i've had the pleasure of following her around the woods while she picked mushrooms and then cooked it on the on the big big grill and stuff and there's honestly nothing better but it's just simple food isn't it there's nothing there's nothing complicated about it beyond i suppose being able to identify Mm. um the ingredients that you're picking
1: oh absolutely but you know the other the other part of that is like the connection so the connection with food and outside and everything but then the connection you know food brings us together as well um it's an incredibly social experience social
0: element um
1: which i think is just one of the many facets of why i love food so much (laughs) um but yeah i i think i think i think as a as a generation you know i think other cultures and civilizations were much more connected to to natural food than, than we are in the Western world now. But I think that this generation are, are trying to reconnect with it. Um, no matter what kind of person they are. So like you're an outdoor person. Um, so you're experiencing it much more naturally more often than somebody else would. But I think to that point, like there are people Mm who are trying to understand food and how important, um, actual, real, natural, whole foods are for themselves. Um, and that's really one of the, the, I suppose the foundational elements of, of Minefield. So Mindfield essentially, you know, started, uh, in 2019 and you know, our mission has never changed, which is to improve brain health through nutrition. Um, and when, in 20, in 2018, when the idea, you know, first came to myself and my partner, Simon, the, the world was not ready. Right. (laughs) You know, we weren't talking about, we weren't even talking about gut health at that point. You know, the idea we would get, we'd get full pushback from people being like, no, I just fundamentally do not believe that the food that I'm putting inside my body has any impact on my brain and you you know when we when we talk about the brain like I I I know I mean it it seems so obvious now and I'm sure there's still going to be people in 2022 that say that but it was just like and then you'd say to other people and it was like a little little light switch went off in their Mm. in their head and they go oh my god it's so obvious I've just (laughs) never thought about it because we were you know the the idea of nutrition has just always at least in our mindset our generation has always been around fitness and right, weight loss right. and you know whether it makes you fat or not um calories performance yeah like you know it's about it's about kind of the protein and all of that kind of stuff and you know that serves a purpose but essentially you know the the, the real reason that we need to exist is that n- no one uh, is getting all of the nutrients that they need um for their brain so you know there's this there's this um concept called uh, rdi's which are um basically the the minimum amount of uh that particular nutrient you need to survive so recommended daily intake is what it's called so that at a bare minimum this is what you want to be reaching And across the board, no matter what country you're in, no one is reaching all of those nutrients um, at the minimum level. So it will change depending on what area of the world you're in as to which ones are going to be the most deficient. But as a general rule of thumb, you know, omega-3, which essentially your brain is made of fat, um, we don't get uh enough of the right so we get a lot of omega-6 um and you need to have this ratio and omega-3 you get from most people know you get it from like oily fish um but people don't really eat enough of that but what people don't really know is that the oily fish are getting it from the algae and the seaweed that they're eating so there are ways to to get if you're a vegan or you're plant-based there's um there are ways to get omega-3 that you know don't require you to eat fish but that's just one example right there's you know antioxidants we need for yeah we need like for anti-inflammatory so like you know we were talking about mental health earlier and one of the big challenges to our brain is that it's inflamed because we are taking on board things that inflame our system so um you know culprits can be anything that we're intolerant to um you know, uh, there's a lot of things like, you know, smoking and, um, and drinking and those kinds of things, but, you know, there's a lot of foods that inflame, uh, our system as well. Stress is a big, uh, inflammatory, um, uh, challenge. So not, not only does, uh, an inflamed system and brain, um, impact, uh, your health but it also impacts your mental health and uh depression and anxiety and um you know is a precursor to uh longevity issues like dementia and alzheimer's so you know they're just kind of two uh, i've pulled out but there's there's so many and you know you know really really what it comes down to is um that our diets are really minimal you know, we, we have very, we don't vary them because uh, for multiple reasons, right? Accessibility, motivation, inspiration, um, you know, we're tired at the end of the day, uh, or maybe there's just like certain things we just love to eat. And so we just don't broaden our...
0: Decision fatigue with, cook, with cooking and all that kind of thing. Oh,
1: exactly, exactly. Um, so that's one of the reasons that our plates are so kind of not, uh, what's the opposite of diverse, simple, I suppose.
0: Uh, yeah. Or, or, or mono. Yeah. Like monotonous, maybe was, was there, was there ever a time in, in human history where we were getting, uh, what our brains needed? Because as you're saying, no matter what part of the world you live in, nobody's getting what they need for their brains. And I would imagine that, I mean. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but a presumption that I would make was would be that people have more access to nutritional, high dense, high nutritional value food today than maybe any time in history. And I mean, even going back to, you know, we always, you know, there's this almost like fetishization of like, you know, primitive diets, Neanderthal diets and, and kind of all these kind of things. But the reality is that their, their diets might not have been particularly diverse either and i guess maybe that's maybe that's the key isn't it? it's that you're not eat; they weren't eating the same thing every day they might get a, uh you know a bit of red meat a couple of times a month or you know they'd have to rely on whatever was growing on the trees that that season or that month or whatever
1: yeah i, th- I think what's your time it's a good question um i'm not an expert on historical nutrition or even nutrition for that matter all the information that i have has been built up from working with our scientific team and understand trying to understand it myself. Right, right. but I think that um, it's a it's a really good question. And and essentially, what it, what one of the the points that I would make is that the quality, the nutritional quality of the food that we have today, uh, is far inferior to the nutritional quality of the food fifty years ago, hundred years ago. Um, you know the way that we have been. Farming and developing our uh, our foods, um, even whole foods. I'm talking as well, not just processed foods. Uh, mean that the you know the nutritional density of you know a, a, a particular vegetable today does not represent the nutritional density that it had in the past. So okay. that's one of the challenges. Right. Um, also, uh, there are. Processing that's done to food that reduces the nutrient quality of food, um, and then the other element I would say is that, you know, say um, foraging um, civilizations, they would have eaten whole foods, so it w- they would have been getting it raw, or you know, potentially at some point they would cook it, but they were mm-hmm. they were not using harmful. Uh, substances in order to to cook it. So some oils, for example, are great to be eaten raw, but when sure. you cook them at a certain temperature, they become um, more harmful. Or right. you know they yeah. might um, kind of contribute to inflammation, or you know they have more harmful qualities to them. So I think that they're all things to kind of consider, but also you know I suppose the very nature of foraging, right, is that. You don't really know what you're going to come across. And that kind of idea of um, what diversity, I, I couldn't say how many options they had, but it's the idea of not eating the same thing all the time. And one of the reasons for that is obviously you want to get a broad spectrum of nutrients and antioxidants and all those wonderful things. But also you have gut bacteria and your gut bacteria kind of need to live in this um, this sort of ecosystem where you've got bad bacteria and good bacteria and they need to be in, in harmony together and in order for them to be in harmony together you have to be able to uh, feed the good bacteria and you feed the good bacteria with things that are, are called prebiotic fiber which are essentially um, mm-hmm. plant foods not all plant foods but a lot of different plant foods um, and so sure. if you're only having uh, and, and there's a very um, famous gut study uh, that was done not too long ago, uh, called, or oh, the name is, is, left me now, but essentially, no um, essentially it's that what they did is they studied people who ate 10 different plant foods a week and, uh, compared compared to people who ate 30 different plant foods a week. And it showed a significant benefit to, uh, the people who ate 30 different plant foods a week. So that has become the kind of, uh, standard, um, recommendation now, Interesting. uh, when it comes to encouraging diversity and, um, uh, plant foods. And I think that's the other thing, you know, maybe kind of comes back to the nature conversation, which is that, you know, even though there is this big surge in, um, vegan and plant based eating, there is a significant portion of the world that does not eat plants or a lot of plants. Um, and so, um, and you know, I, I, kind of see this in like fitness industry a little bit where there's such a focus on proteins and, um, low carbs and things like that where yeah. And it's like, I, I, I get it. They need the energy and protein is really important. Don't get me wrong. You need that, um, for a lot of different aspects of, of your brain health and serotonin production and melatonin production. But when you're not getting plant foods um you're you're not getting a lot of really key nutrients and you're not giving your gut bacteria the the, the food that they need in order to survive so um you know I, I, and a lot of people don't know this but like 90 percent of your serotonin is created in the gut and serotonin is essentially your happiness hormone it's a neurotransmitter but uh, you know friendly called the, the happiness hormone so if you If you don't have the ecosystem in your gut to create those neurotransmitters, then of course you're not able to create, you're not able to to feel as best as you could. It's not to say that like environmental factors and causational factors and things that are happening in your life or have happened to you in your life don't make a big difference to your mental health. But on a day-to-day basis, you know, how your resilience to stress or your ability to cope with um negative situations or actually just sometimes how y- your brain might just go to a negative space when it doesn't really need to so these are all just things to consider that you know we, we're at the forefront of this kind of movement of people understanding just how important diet is um and understanding all of these different kinds of principles that we should try and kind of Adhere to, but it can still be a challenge. Life is really difficult to, to feed yourself.
0: (laughs) Balance. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. No, I'm absolutely, and it's funny because you were saying there about that study, and it just shows my level of ignorance as to like kind of what it is that I'm supposed to be intaking. Where you were saying somebody who had ten different, you know, varieties of of plant foods in their week, I thought that was going to be the high end group, but apparently that's the low end group, and I'm thinking do I even get 10 different varieties of plant-based foods into my, into my diet every week? And I probably don't, but the thing that I really love about this whole thing, and I guess the whole narrative of this conversation, um, and I suppose maybe just leave you with this thought before we leave it, but the, the, the balance of something that is extremely simple, we're relying on new technology, we're relying on new studies We're relying on new sort of, uh, research to tell us the things that our grannies were probably telling us uh, which is like basically eat your eat your greens and go for a walk you know and and i think it's it's pretty much that simple isn't it like at the end of the day
1: uh, yeah i mean i think there's a lot to be learned from looking backwards for sure um and i think you know but but at the same time like the behavioral aspect of that, like the habit forming aspect of that is probably one of the most challenging because we can all have the intention, um, to do those things, but actually how do we start and then how do we maintain it? Um, because as Mm -hmm. you say, like 30 different plant foods, that's really, that's, that seems like a lot like, and, but actually if you break it down and you say, you know, that's spices, that's herbs, that's, um, every kind of plant food under the sun like if you right, kind of break okay. it down like that sure. but also you know to the other point of like going for a walk to some people that's really daunting the idea of having to go for a 20-minute walk so to those people I would say and I don't think that they're probably the people listening to to your podcast because you know you're very out right. for a podcast but
0: <laughs> well maybe you can share this too
1: yeah yeah exactly I, I think it's about you know go out for five minutes and then the next day, go mm. out for another five minutes, and then go out for another five minutes, and it's just that consistency that is so important. Just showing up and being consistent uh, with a commitment to yourself that you want to do something and following through is the best way.
0: Perfect. I mean, that's that's. I wouldn't. I couldn't end it any other way myself. Um, Ali, thank you so much for joining us today. Where can people find uh, more information about either Mindfuel or Out Out Club? Um, and how can they get involved?
1: Sure. So Out Out Club, um, you can find our website, outoutclub.com. That's O-U-D-O-U-D-C-L-U-B.com. Um, you can become a member there if you're uh, based in Ireland or you're planning to come to Ireland. Um, you can also find us on Instagram at instagram.com forward slash the club um and then mindfield is mindfield.com M-I-N-D-F-U-L-E. and uh, our um, instagram is uh we are mindfield now we're in stealth mode working on a really exciting um, uh, project behind the scenes so Um, you won't find much much new information there just yet but we're about to about to launch more information soon so actually if you're interested in this it's a good time to follow
0: thank you so much for joining me today it's uh, it's really good to catch up i I don't think we've spoken in a couple of years like over a true voice um and it's it's great to kind of catch up and it's cool to see all the interesting stuff that you're doing right now um so yeah i know yeah
1: it's been amazing and I'm so excited to um, to have you uh, give us a, a spoon carving workshop when you're next over here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We've been talking with that as well. It'd be an absolute pleasure to do that. Um, all right. Cool. Ali, have a great day and thank you for joining me today on the podcast.